G'day, and welcome to another episode of the Protect the Asset podcast. It's been created for ambitious personal trainers who want to have a rewarding career that changes lives and pays them well. I want this podcast to be a safe space where coaches can share their career journey, both the highs and the lows. A space where passionate coaches tell their story and inspire personal trainers to build a fruitful career that aligns with their purpose, visions, values, and goals. It's time to brush off your self-doubts as you deserve to be a leader in your field and have a rewarding career that both changes lives and pays you well. In today's episode, my guest is a good friend, old colleague, and training buddy from a previous life in London, and a personal trainer who has moved his career 100% online. Erdi Babili transitioned from being an in-person personal trainer, working out of a typical commercial gym, to running a hybrid method in person and online, to teaching classes, opening his own gym, and then finally deciding to take the leap of faith and move his career 100% online. In this episode, we focus on Erdi's transition from in-person PT to 100% online PT. This journey took place between early 2017 to late 2019, as Erdi was being pulled in all different directions with his coaching career. Initially, online personal training was just an extra income stream, but it continued to pay Erdi a wage when he left the commercial gym, worked as a contracted coach teaching classes, running workshops, and then eventually opening his own gym. Erdi talks about several vital mentors and a number of career coaching courses that helped him grow in confidence and build a successful online career. He went from earning between 2,000 to 2,500 pounds per month while working at the commercial gym, but around about 60 to 80 hours per week, to working 10 to 15 hours a week and making between four to 5,000 pounds per month as an online coach. He says that online personal training has given him the freedom to choose his working hours, spend more time with his partner, focus on his health, make more progress in his own training, travel, and deliver a better coaching service. There are a lot of great tips and insights into how Erdi successfully transitioned his career. So if you're a personal trainer who has an online business, or you're looking to offer an online service, you're going to enjoy this episode. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Protect the Asset podcast. I'm your host, Stretch, and today my guest is Erdi. So I'd like to welcome Erdi to the podcast. Hey, thanks, Stretch. Thanks for having me on. That's good, good to be here. Good to have you. Um, Erdi, I always like to start sort of to uh, get a bit of an idea of, you know, what you're doing in your career right now. So if you were to imagine that we didn't know each other and we sat next, next to each other on a plane and I asked you, you know, what do you currently do for work? Uh, what would you say? That's a good question. Sometimes I I go down a bit of the troll route and I say, hey, I teach people handstands for a living and, and then I'll leave it there and see how they respond. <laughs> but uh, uh, And then if, if I want to talk about it properly, I'm, a, I'm an online coach and but I, I do teach people handstands for a living online as well as um, some flexibility and strength fits. I help people with their, their physical practices, specifically in the body weight region. Yeah, awesome, mate. And what sort of response do you usually get when you tell people that? They, they sort of look at me funny for a bit and they wait for me to follow up. And I yeah. don't. And I look at them funny for a bit and wait for them to follow up. Yeah. <laughs> and, probably, and then they're like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> they're probably like, is that a career, is it? 
yeah <laughs> like, this guy gets paid for what for what um, yeah living uh, the dream yeah once you explain the the a bit more of the details to them they um they, they usually come back with a quite a positive response and be like oh that sounds great lots of flexibility and lots of purpose yeah exactly mate yeah um we recently had a chat on Instagram and we were sort of talking about the future of online training and we touched on your career journey a little bit there. Um, but today we decided that we were going to jump on and have a talk about a specific part of your career journey. And that's your transition from being an in-person personal trainer to moving your career 100% online. So I'm excited to hear and curious to hear how you did it. And I'm sure a lot of the listeners will be curious to hear how you've done it as well. So, if we were to look back on your career, where do you think this transition first started? Okay, so it probably first started in my head. Um, and that's when I got my own online coach. I was working with a guy named Tristan Kobayashi. Um, he was my coach in 2015. At this point, I was only like a year into my personal training at a gym. What, what made you find a coach or what made you find Tristan? Ah, yeah, that's a good question. So, yes, I was I was working in a pure gym, which is a normal franchise gym in the UK and in London, working with clients that would want generic body composition type goals. But my main interests lied in the body weight coaching or body weight training, at least, like getting a bit more flexible, getting stronger on the gymnastic rings. Um, and there weren't any coaches nearby that could do what I wanted. To, to do so I, I i looked online for like different workshops to go to i found tristan and realized he was an online coach we had a conversation i was like oh can you help me out i want to get i want to get good and uh yeah he helped me out yeah and nice. that's how that's how it happened that's how it started when we look back at pure gym and you were working at pure gym what sort of what sort of pt model was that were you hiring space were you employed by them how did it work so PT, uh, Pure Gym had the model. They had a very good business model for them, actually. It wasn't fantastic for PTs, but it was okay. I had to give them 15 hours of my free time each week for free. Um, so it was free five-hour shifts per week. In those 15 hours, I would teach classes for Pure Gym. I would have to sort of teach their routine, their structures, etc. I could put a little bit of my own autonomy to it, but it was mostly their... Um, their bits uh and then outside of that outside of those 15 hours i was allowed in their gym at any point of the day um to walk the floor and pick up clients or walk the floor introduce myself to people basically be in the gym be a personal trainer provide personal training sessions etc yeah yeah and then were you running your own personal training business taking care of your accounts or did that go through pure gym that you're doing there oh uh, it was all for me. It was all, I, I was there oh, as okay. a sole trader. So that, there was no contract, no employment. I was literally giving them 15 hours of my time for free and they would give me their gym space for free in return. Yeah, cheeky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no liability, yeah. but yeah, let's uh, take on some PTs and make them work hard for us. I like it. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. how, many, how many hours do you think you were working back then when you were, when you were in Pure Gym? Like including those 15 so, hours plus your PT, plus walking the floor, everything you were doing. Good question. I actually logged it. I used to log it because I wanted to make sure I was in there enough. Now, I, I was doing anywhere between 60 and 80 hours a week of being in the gym because 
that's what I needed to do or that's what I felt like I needed to do to build a business. And it, it worked because no, none, none of the other PTs were doing it. So I was there all the time. Um, and yeah, it, it, it's the way I went from having sort of like no clients in Pure Gym to having somewhat of a business. Yeah. Okay. So geez, that's a lot of hours, man. If you're working that many hours and then obviously whatever rate you're charging for your PT back then, what, what do you think your, your average like monthly wage was coming out of Pure Gym? So it took me six months to build it. Um, and I, I think within six months, I built a 2K a month at Pure Gym. What made you commit to that many hours? Like, What was going through your head at that time to think that you needed to, you know, obviously had to have that much contact time at the gym to grow, you know, a successful PT business? I, I think it was just realizing that I wasn't getting clients at the beginning. Like I, I worked there for a month and had, I got nothing in that month. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I need to actually make some effort. Um, mm. I can't remember where I saw the information, if I saw the information, but I realized that I, I needed to talk to people and I needed to make myself known. So what I did is I walked the floor every day um, and I wouldn't leave the gym until I had, I think it was like five to 10 phone numbers at the end of each day. Mm. Yeah. So I'd collect the numbers. I'd write a little note about every person that I collected a number from. And then two weeks later, I would follow up with them with either a text or a call in order to make myself known. And also because I saw it, it did start working. So I just kept going with it. How long were you at Pure Gym for before you decided that you needed to get out of it? I started in, I think it was April or May 2014. And I left in like July or August 2018. So it was like four years and a few months, a couple of months. I was, I was quite fed up with the system. It got to the end of the four years or... To be honest, in that last in that last year, I was I was getting quite fed up of Pure Gym and fed up of not having my own control over what I wanted to do um, with my with my time. So I by this point I had already started a little bit of online coaching, and I figured I want to do a bit more of that, and I want to teach a, I want to work with people who want to do more of my type of training, which is the bodyweight training. So I I started um I started seeking out an audience or started to try and build an audience online of bodyweight enthusiasts and I had done before I left and I already had a little bit of interest of people asking me for personal training etc but not in that pure gym it would be outside in London so I figured I mean, let me take the jump I'll take a bit of a, a bit of a risk but I'll do it I'll leave pure gym and start pursuing these leads instead and trying to build this um, and then I went down a the root of a business course. It was the the personal trainer academy of a guy named John Goodman, um, and he taught a lot of a lot of the technicalities and the the he helped people get over the apprehensions that came with um, becoming an online coach. And that's that's when it started. That's when I first started to try to do things online. It was right after that course. You mentioned John Goodman before and, and doing, you know, his program. Where, where was that in the mix? Was that before you'd left Pure Gym or that was why within the four years you were still at Pure Gym? That was within the four years that was still at Pure Gym. It was, it was in 2017. So I think it was the year before I left. Um, yeah, it was the year before I left. So by this point, I had already picked up a little bit of knowledge about building an online business. I had a bit more confidence for doing it and I had already started the process, actually. I think I had a, a few online clients, not many, but I had a few before leaving Pure Gym. Um, oh, 
I'd also picked up some classes in Hackney. Um, I believe it was in your gym, actually, in uh, the Momentum. I was doing, I think, one or two classes a week teaching some of this gymnastic strength training type, yep. um, type of practice. So that was also, it was a help towards transitioning over to teaching that more. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it, mate. We, we, we first met um, at Edo Portel's movement camp. Was it back yes. in 2015, maybe? Was that? It was. One, it was. Yeah, I think that you went to. So, and then we were both living in London, but I don't think we reconnected until about 2017. Yes. Think, yeah, That's right. I'm not sure how we managed to lose each other's contacts, but then when you did, yeah, the opportunity was there to come and work at Momentum and, uh, you know, teach some of that, you know, body weight gymnastics sort of stuff, which was um, great to have you on board the team. You mentioned that, that you already had some online clients. Where did that start? How did you, how did you just, you know, get your first couple of online clients? Um, I offered coaching for free. That was how it started. Uh, it was a recommendation from the course by John Goodman. It was quite good, actually. He, it was interesting that some of the things he recommended were pretty much what I did to start my business in person in Pure Gym. It was just online. So he recommended uh, two big things. One, offer free online coaching, which is what I used to do at Pure Gym. I used to offer free PT sessions. And the second one was talk to 25 people every day. It was like 25 people you haven't spoken to for a long time. And it, it, he basically said, message lots of people on your Facebook or on your Instagram, et cetera. Um, don't try and sell yourself as a coach, but just message them and, and start some conversation, which is exactly what I used to do in Pure Gym. So that's how it, that's how it started. I started uh, messaging lots of people, just trying to open more doors, I suppose. Um, and I offered free coaching. Uh, and I, I got, I think I got 10 to 15 people interested in the free coaching when I first offered it. Yeah. 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 It's an interesting way to go about it. Um, those 10 to 15 people just out of curiosity, how many of them already knew you face to face? Do you think? Two and they were from momentum. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. Three. No, sorry. Three yeah. of them. Yeah. From momentum. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's yeah. that's that's a pretty good thing, man. I think a lot of people, when we go online, in the first clients we attract are the people that already know us because we've built this trust and rapport. But then yep. when we flip the coin and we look at free training, well, then there's no huge risk for a client to sign up or partake in that because if it doesn't work for them, they've got nothing to lose. So it's yep. an interesting way to attract, I suppose, people that might not know you um, and had an experience with you in the past. I'm curious though, like looking back at that now what was your success rate with these clients like were they sticking to the program were they with you for a long period of time what what do you, what do you think or what what did happen when you had these this free offer um it felt successful for me at the time uh i in hindsight not very successful but it, at the time it did feel it because i think out of the 15 five of them continued from free coaching to paid coaching afterwards. I think the free coaching period was either a month or six weeks. I can't remember now. Um, not many of them stuck to the program, to be honest, but the free people that knew me from in person did. Mm. And they were the ones that went on to the paid coaching. And then there were two more people that went on to paid coaching. One of them was from Japan, actually. That was a 
that was mind blowing for me. I'm like, wow, I'm coaching someone in Japan. I've never, never coached anyone outside of London. Yeah. Uh, so that was pretty cool. Uh, I can't remember where the other, the last person was from, but I remember there being five people. Uh, yeah. So the success rate, I guess the, I was like what, 33%. If I had 15 start the free trial, um, five of them continued. Uh, but in terms of how long, I mean, like some of them continued for, one of them continued for about a year and a bit. It was a girl from Japan. Um, but the others, I think, dropped off after a few months. Yeah. 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 It's interesting when you look at it, isn't it? Like the people that know you stuck around and they're obviously the people that trust you. Um, the one random one from Japan obviously enjoyed, you know, what you did and the training that was there. And then those other ones that dropped off, like, I suppose you can look at it as a nice way to get your system set up and a good way to get the ball yes. rolling, build some confidence, um, make sure you've got your introduction sort of onboarding system set up. Um, but to get the clients to stick around on that, like if they haven't invested any, any value in you or in your service, if there's not an exchange of funds, it can be really difficult, I think, to maintain those clients. I see a lot of personal trainers giving away free stuff all the time, like on Instagram, say, I'm looking for five guys or girls to help me test a program. You know, it's free, such and such. Do you think now, if you were looking back on it, do you think if you'd had like a beta offer or you'd charged part like a, you know a discount rate on your normal prices that you could have launched a similar sort of thing maybe not as successful but maybe found clients that were a little bit more committed maybe again i think this will depend on the confidence of the of myself or the person at that time because if you're i feel like i know me and i know myself and I know if, if I'm not very confident in myself, which I wouldn't have been at the time because it was a new service and it was training people in something very specialized that I haven't done properly yet. Even though I could train it myself, it hadn't coached people in it very well just yet, especially not online. Um, if I was to offer something paid without me feeling very confident about it, I might have also not advertised it very well or to my best of degree. Whereas because it, it was free, I was like, ah, they have nothing to lose. I have nothing to lose. Mm. It's fine. So I would like go a bit extra on the advertising, which at the end of the day is kind of what gets people's attention. Um, but I think if somebody's okay with their confidence and they're, it's not going to change, whether it's paid or not paid doesn't change um, their approach to how they advertise it, then I think it would work fine if you offer a discounted rate or even expect like a small payment or something. I think it'd be it would be preferable um, and it would be good. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I totally resonate with what you're saying there. It's um, there's a lot of self-doubt um, for personal trainers. And when we're changing careers like that and moving into, you know, the online space or let's say moving even to a new gym, you know, you can have a lot of self-doubts um, and finding ways to work around that, finding ways to build your confidence so that you can move forward um, is definitely a necessity. Um, if you are going to succeed, what else did you learn from John Goodman around this? So, you, you know, he's told you to, you know, do some free sessions. Um, you know, you talked a little bit about marketing what, and you talked a little bit yeah. about, you know, DMing or, or, or connecting with 25 yeah. people a day. Was there anything else that you found really valuable that you took away from his course? Yeah. He, he, he spoke about systems a lot and he's like, look, you, you've got to figure out your approach, your system. How, what are the steps from, somebody who's interested to somebody becoming a client and what do you send them 
which files do you send them? What do they send you in what order? So he's like, make yourself a little flowchart and he'd give you like examples of person has to go through this process before they're a client. And even them, even when they are a client, do you want to continue with any systems? Do you want any specific types of checkups? Do you want any um, specific uh, times for consultations or changing the program and things like that? He also spoke about payment a lot. One of the big apprehensions is how do we value our service? And he's like, this is a good method to how to value your service. First, figure out how much, uh, I think it was first figure out how much you want to make. So let's say, for example, you want to make five grand a month. Uh, you give a client five hours a month, um, but you charge 50, 50 pounds an hour. That's like 250 pounds per client per month. So you would need four times five, 20 clients. And that, mm. that would be your process. Um, so he'd, he'd get you to like work in that sort of order to help figure out how much uh, you want to charge and how many clients you're going to need. So that was also useful. Yeah. Had you ever, had you ever set financial goals before in terms of your own career before you started this course with John? I don't think so. No, because I didn't, I never really needed to. Yeah. 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 I, had, yeah. I had zero responsibilities when I started working as a personal trainer. Like I, I wasn't paying for anything. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. So things changed, mate. It was time to get real. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Did you find that having a financial goal, having this vision in terms of the financial target that you wanted to get to was something that motivated you to, you know, stick at this online business or something that motivated you to keep going? Yeah, I think it was. I'm quite a numbers guy. I like data. I like figures and numbers. And if I know what I'm working towards, then it does, it does motivate me a bit more to get it done. So this time in your career right now, you've done the John Goodman course. You've got some online clients that you're working with. You're teaching at Momentum Training and you know probably some odd PT around London and stuff like that. Yep. What, how long were you doing that for? And then what was the next move? By this point, I was teaching yeah, a few classes at Momentum. I was also teaching some classes at Stretch, a yoga, uh, class, a yoga gym in Hackney. Um, and I got invited to teach at a workshop that, or a festival that same year it was a yoga festival uh and also for somebody's retreat in spain i taught at, so my my confidence now was growing quite a bit and my my instagram was growing a bit and i was posting diverse content of handstands flexibility and strength i also started working with a new coach emmett louis in 2018 so lo lots of development happened in 2018 um and then someone reached out to me about opening our own facility in London and I was like oh this could be interesting so we started teaching our own private classes so no classes for other gyms we we rented out gyms or rented out spaces in Hackney started teaching our own handstand and bodyweight uh, GST classes gymnastic strength training classes um we actually opened up our own gym yep yep I mean there's an awesome lot that just happened there that we probably should unpack just that little bit more yes Sorry. No, no, it's all good, mate. That's interesting to sort of see, you know, it obviously evolved quickly. Like when you think a nine months or 10 months turnaround and, and there is so much, quick. yeah, so much going on there. When you started, like, obviously, you know, you're, you're working at different gyms, you're working at this yoga studio, teaching body weight training, you're going to festivals, you've been to a workshop. How do you mm -hmm. feel that impacted your online, 
not just presence, but like, I suppose the followers and the success of getting more online clients, does that make a big difference? Um, It wasn't a huge difference for online coaching. Yes, I was doing some online coaching, but I wasn't fully focused on it because every day I was on my bike cycling to my next client in the next part of London to go and teach them a session because I um, and then I would go and do my own classes and then do classes for other gyms. I was all over the place in those nine to 10 months, but it was good for me because I, I didn't stop and I kept like indirectly without even meaning to my, my presence was just there. I was being invited to stuff and teaching in different places and people would see me. So I think I was probably growing what's known as social proof mm. and some like general authority teaching what I was teaching. Um, my own practice was also started developing quite well. Uh, I remember my physique developed quite well as well in 2018. I had, there was a lot of, um, the, I'm, I'm still trying to unpack what happened in 2018. <laughs> I, was just, I also started a, a new relationship. Um, I'm, I'm still, still with Sarah from, from 2018 as well. Yeah. So there was a, a lot happened there. Uh, but yeah, I think there was a lot of background building that maybe I wasn't fully aware of. Mm. But it was just happening. People were noticing my Instagram was growing and, and I was making more contacts and yeah. networking more. Yeah, for sure. There's a couple of things that popped to my head there that you just sort of spoke about. One is like, you know, you talked about having this interest in, you know, body weight training and handstands and mobility. And mm. it sounds like now that you're starting to get this momentum with teaching, you know, different classes here and there and then finding your clients and teaching them did you just fall into this niche, do you feel? Or how do you think this sort of niche evolved for you? It was what I was teaching the most and it was what I was posting about the most. And then the the, the classes that I was teaching in, in Hackney were based off of my own practice. The, the, the studios and the, the gym owners wanted me to teach what I was training because they, they saw that there was an ordering audience for it in their own gyms. Um, and then when I started these these other classes with my my new business partner at the time, the one that I started the gym with, we we were teaching also this uh, this type of practice. So I oh, this is a tough one actually. Yeah, because maybe there were no maybe there was a bit of falling into it and also a bit of falling a bit a bit of force in it as well. Because yeah. I definitely chose this direction. I definitely chose to to train these things and teach these things on a class level. And then I started getting inquiries about it. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of trainers, you know, when we're doing face to face, we're very limited to the, the area, you know, a, a geographical location, sorry. And it's like, well, do I niche down because really the only people that can train with me are, are in the area where I live. So we try probably try to keep broad. But obviously, when we go online, when we can talk about that further, you know, we've got such great reach that we really need to niche so we can be successful. But yes. at that time, were you training clients outside of that body weight, handstands, mobility stuff? Like if a client came to you for weight loss, were you, were you taking um, them on? I wasn't getting any new clients for the for those type of goals. Everyone that was joining new was very specific for body weight training i mean they yeah okay they still they were still interested in body composition but it was via the route of using their body weight like you've gone from doing crazy hours at pure gym and you know making maybe around about two thousand. you were sort of saying per month what sort of hours are you working now when you're traveling between personal training doing your online stuff coaching at different gyms running classes before you before you opened your space how many hours do you think you're working then and what sort of income Maybe maybe some months, some of the summer months was maybe a little bit more, maybe 2.5. I can't remember exactly. 
but I was still working a lot of hours because I was, I was traveling to my clients first, my clients coming to me mm. uh, and I was working in two or three different gyms doing our own, our own classes. So yeah, there was, there was a lot of hours going into that. I'd say it was, I'd say it was the same, you know, you'd wake up early, get out the house by like six, half six, 7am latest. You wouldn't be back home until I don't know five six seven it kind of depends on the days some days if you're not working evenings you'll be back by five some days if you're working evenings you're back by ten yeah 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 but still busting your balls mate yes but the difference it was still busting my balls but i was busting my balls on my terms as opposed to pure <laughs> terms, which was fantastic a lot more rewarding. but i was still busting my balls <laughs> yeah 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 do you reckon you're close to burnout like how are your energy levels and how are you feeling at that time like obviously you're excited and you've got a passion for yeah, this I'm, career but what's going on for you uh, I think you cover it up, don't you? Like you, sometimes you don't even realize you're burning out and you're burning out. Um, like I didn't have any major health issues. Like I was saying, like my like things were improving for me that year. I was looking after myself as well. I started getting maybe maybe I had to as well because I was doing a lot of hours. But I started looking after myself better in regards to food. I would mm. uh, be eating much better, be eating a lot more greens. I think I. I think the year before, I, I think I did a Poliquin, Charles Poliquin seminar as well, actually. So a lot of that was sticking with me. I can't really tell uh, if I was like close to burnout, but mm. I was tired. Do you feel, do you notice you feel better now or there's no real change? Do you reckon? No, I, I feel better now. Yeah. There's, there's no real doubts about that. I, did, I didn't like the amount of commute that I had to do around London. Mm. It was a, it was great to see people and meet people in London, but from an from the perspective of yeah the, the travel, it was not fun. And you did mention there that you you hired Emmett and you found Emmett. So talk to me a little yes. bit about that. Where did where did where did Emmett come from? Did you move away from Tristan before Emmett, or was that a transition? Like what happened there? Uh, I moved away from Tristan before Emmett, mostly because Tristan stopped coaching by this point he just wasn't doing much online coaching anymore so I think there was like a year gap or so where I had no online coach uh I found Emma at one of Emma's workshops it was in your gym it was in momentum training met Emma I really liked him uh, looked into more looked into more of his stuff online I think we went to lunch together as well when he came down for the workshop so I got to meet him in person a bit and I liked him as a person I find it hard to work with people I can't relate to or I don't like in person but that's just me um it's love at first so I, sight mate yeah love at first sight so <laughs> actually in 2017 i applied for his online coaching i didn't get accepted till like summer 2018 mm. it was a it was like a year delay i think it was a 12 month gap between between me applying and getting accepted uh, anyway finally got accepted and was like oh wow this is this is a different type of service of online coaching this is uh it was great i really liked it um i he emmett was a lot more formal emmett was very like he was probably the the most well-assessed coach that i'd ever come across in terms of what he was looking for in me before we even started coaching so the videos he asked me to send him we had a, we had two consults before i even like paid him any money he didn't he didn't take any money until we'd started the program um so i liked that about him as well uh yeah, he was someone that you could tell he really wanted to to work together, even though there was a twelve month delay. He was just busy, um, and he knew what he was doing. How much do you feel that that 
experience and working with someone like Emmett has contributed to your online career today? I don't know. I don't know if I can quantify it, but it's been a, it's been a very big part of my development because he's not only been there as a coach he's also been there as a consultant so and he and he sort of set the set the tone for me without without meaning to but he he gave me a very good example of what a very successful online coaching business can look like so it was a it was a lot of a aspiration and inspiration Yeah. yeah yeah do you know did you know that at the time like when you were hiring Emmett was it purely for your own training and you wanted to um, obviously progress yourself or in the back of your mind was it okay I'm hiring Emmett for two things a my training but I also want to gain the experience and the knowledge of someone who's built a very successful online career it was for myself it was for my own training it wasn't mm-hmm. I wasn't going in there with expectations to get more than training yeah yeah okay interesting but now it's just that's the way it's evolved mate he's become a, yeah. a valuable mentor and obviously a coach a big part of your life, yeah. which is awesome. He's, he's probably more of a business mentor to me now than he is a, <laughs> like, I still work with him. You know, he's still my coach. But yeah. I get more out of him from business than I do coaching. Yeah, yeah, wicked. In, on that on that business mentors, so you've had John Goodman, you've had mm-hmm. Emmett. What else, mm-hmm. has, what else has helped you along the way? Or is there, has there been any other yeah. business coaching, career coaching that's um, yeah. helped you? So, I did another business course with a guy named Brian Rose. It was the business accelerator course that was right at the end of 2017. And we graduated in early 2018. So that was also part of the 2018 development. Uh, that That was a good course. And it didn't give me technicalities like John Goodman, John Goodman's course for online coaching, or at least it didn't give me technicalities that I used. Mm. But what it did was give me a really big mindset shift. One of the main things I remember about Brian Rose's course was he spoke about the concept of the monkey brain. And it's like this form of resistance, this form of mental resistance. It's like, you want to do something, but most of the time you don't do it because something in the back of your head is giving you this doubt. Mm. He's like, that's just your monkey brain. You know, that's, that's like the monkey in your brain telling you no. It's like, you need to accept that that's there as part of your character and, and you just need to deal with it. And, and he, like, he rationalized the ir- irrationality of self-doubt yeah. in, in this weird way. And that was really big for me um, because I know that was something I struggled with. He also forced us, before we even started the course, everybody had to create 10 video vlogs, which I wasn't used to doing. We had to, we had to talk to the camera 10 times about things that we enjoy um and then and then post it publicly and that was that was nerve-wracking he's like you can't start this course like we've paid by the way so we've paid him a lot of money he's like okay cool now you can't start unless you've done these 10 videos it's like oh okay (laughs) (laughs) do you remember remember what your videos are about (laughs) yeah i think i was speaking about like freediving and yeah and spearfishing and the gymnastic rings and i was like oh maybe i can make a business out of free driving and gymnastics Gymnastics. there it is yeah exactly you said that 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 was an expensive course do you mind sharing with us what you what you paid for that course yeah Uh, john goodman john goodman's was definitely 1500 i have a feeling brian's was closer to 2500 yeah 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 that's a big investment for a personal trainer like to invest that much on more on your career like we, we we're willing to spend money on this stuff that's going to help yeah. us train our clients or nutrition guidance or 
you know, all the practical stuff, but for a coach like yourself to be spending that money on career growth, like what made you decide that you wanted to invest in, you know, this Brian's course, this accelerator program? I don't, I, I've never liked paying taxes. So <laughs> who does mate? <laughs> yeah. If, before I even became a personal trainer, don't get me wrong. I don't tax evade. I just, <laughs> I make decisions. That means I don't have to pay as much. Right. Um, before becoming a personal trainer, I was already interested in doing these, in doing random courses, not business based courses, but uh, workshops and GST courses and things like this. And then I realized, wait, if I become a personal trainer, I can still keep doing this learning but just like take it off my tax. Hmm. Uh, and I, I had this mindset from before I even started personal training. So when I became a personal trainer and I, I was earning money, it was, oh, great. I have more money to spend on courses. Um, and, I, and I better spend them on courses because if I don't, I'm going to have to give them to the tax man. Uh, yep. So spending on these courses was not, it was, there was, I had no mental block. I had no mental apprehension. It's like, I, I just wanted to find people that I thought I could resonate with. Um, that I felt so I would always research these people well before investing in their courses uh, there, there were very few purchases I made that didn't bring me value very few in regards to business development or personal training development or train coaching development um, so as soon as I found someone that I liked mm. and I felt like they could bring me some value I would throw my money at them because I want I, I just wanted to I wanted their service so you've got Brian Ross now, you've got Emmett, um, yeah. you know, you've done the stuff with John. Was it, was there anyone else yeah. in the journey, in the journey that's, do you feel that's um, been a worthwhile investment or is that pretty much the, the, the business stuff is sort of covered there and Tristan obviously too. Yeah. Yeah. Tristan too. I mean, you were quite a big mentor as well at the time. I don't know if I told you, but you, you Cheers, helped bro. a lot. <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah, you were definitely very big help with, um, setting up classes and learning how to teach group classes because I, I shadowed you for a bit uh which was great because now i had to be on i had to like focus from lots of different avenues and that was really fun um, which helped with my own personal training career actually um because you weren't you weren't doing any online coaching i don't think at the time or nothing serious you helped but you were mentoring me with some personal training clients and stuff at the time yeah, at the time, like for me, that was just very much dedicated to to the gym. Um, yeah, it was flat out, obviously, managing the gym, managing staff, writing training programs, writing all of the gym programs. You know, was, there was definitely got a lot going on. But yeah, always tried to be present with the coaches and always tried to be there to explain, you know, the programming and the why behind the programming, um, yeah. which, you know, was, was always great in terms of the feedback I got from the coaches. Yeah, my 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 online business did start then, and it mainly just started out of the need for clients not being able to train with me because I was so busy. Um, so it was moving some of my my clients onto the sort of hybrid method where they'd see me once and then they 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 gotcha. take a program and do it do it as well. So yes, yeah, I think yeah. I remember you telling me about your hybrid method. Um, that might have actually been one of the things you helped me out with, but. Uh, yeah, mate, that's a Any lot of men that's a that's a lot of mentors, like when you think about it. it a lot. And it's a yeah. it's a good diverse range. It's not just pure business coaches and it's not specific necessarily health and fitness coaches, but you've got a mix of them in there as well. To me, looking in on your career and knowing you, I think Emmett's probably been the biggest contributor out of all of that, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, Emmett's been a big contributor. He he made me realize things just don't have to be very complicated and mm. you just need to get people results priority number one get results always yep. that's always priority number one 
get results because you, you want to you want to do your clients a good service and you want your clients to be happy with you and also you want to care about your clients emmett's priority on results was probably the, one of the biggest things yeah, we spoke about that last time in that call about results. And you know, I think we both agreed that when we when we moved our careers online, we, we seemed to be able to get better results with our online clients than we probably had in the past yes. with, with in-person clients. Um, yes. just, just to re-go over that quickly, you, what are some of the reasons you think for you that you get better results online than you have in the past with in-person coaching? At Pure Gym. I was a PT. I was another PT at Pure Gym. I was just more active. I was there a lot. But online, I was a guy who did something quite specialized. So the, the people I would attract were very invested into what I was coaching. Uh, so I think it was like, it, it was the case that the, the clients were just more invested because it was a bit more niche. Yeah, I think that's true, mate. Like when we look back, when we look at it, you know, you're you've got a tight client niche. You know what you want to do with your clients. You're attracting the right people. They're obviously seeing the value that you deliver through the social proof that you put out there. Um, so they're the sort of people that if they're going to invest, they're going to do the work. Um, you know, you talked about it earlier, like teaching some of the classes. You've just got unmotivated people. They're they're not necessarily buying into the program. They're there to tick a box to say they've done training. Um, but the crowd that you're attracting online, like they're sold and they just want to make progress. And, you know, just like you want to make progress when you're working with Emmett. So if you keep delivering the value and like say, focusing on client results, you know, how can you go wrong? All right, let's jump forward now. So, we, you know, we've sort of touched on Emmett. We've touched on some of the business coaching and stuff you're doing. So now you're in the process of opening a gym. Like what brought that about? It seems like a, a, a big shift for you. I think it, like the opportunity brought it about and also me me looking around like by now I, i've had a bit of a better understanding of the marketplace in london and the the bodyweight industry in london and i realized that there weren't there was one gym offering bodyweight specific gst specific classes i can't remember the name of the place but it was on the other side of london i was like mm -hmm. huh but i know in east london there is an audience for this uh, and this person wants to work with me they want to invest in something and I, I've saved some money to, to invest in something as well. I was either going to invest it in property or a business. It turns out I went down the business route. Uh, okay. So you've decided that you're going to open a gym. You found a space. Like how did yeah. the, how did the, how did the gym, how did the gym go um, when you first, you know, opened the doors and started coaching classes there? I think it was a little bit slower than I wanted it to be, but probably our own fault for not doing as much advertising as we we should have or could have um but it was moving and it was it was great because it was our our little baby you know it's mm. wow this like this space is ours uh the people coming through those doors are coming through those doors for us so far everything that i've done up until this this point this displayed the results of things under my control if that makes sense I can put classes on when I want to put classes on. I can teach people when and how exactly how I want to teach them the exact syllabus I want to teach them and, and the, as many times a week as I want to teach them. So it was a great feeling. It was, it was huge. Yeah. 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 I can, I can relate to that as well, mate. I think there's days where I, I stood at momentum training and just had goosebumps thinking yeah. that, you know, that we'd created this space and the impact that we were having on the members and the clients that were coming in the door um yeah. like i say it's your puppy it's 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 your business you know you've worked hard to get to get there and then it just seems like so many opportunities open and present themselves yeah the clients that were work walking in the door 
were they a lot of the people that again knew you in London, the face-to-face clients, maybe people that you'd met at other gyms? Like where did where did the clients come from, do you feel? Yes. So a good chunk of them even followed me from other gyms I'd been coaching at. Um a couple of them came from like the stretch, the yoga gym, private classes that we set up in Hackney before opening the gym. Um, some of those clients came to our, our gym now in, in Bethnal Green. I think most of them did actually. Um, so that's, yeah, that generated some clients as well. Again, it wasn't huge, but it was, it was enough to like get the ball rolling. Yeah, it's the, the hardest part, part, isn't it? Just getting getting the ball rolling at the start and starting to get your name out there so people know know that you're there and the services and stuff that you offer. Um, obviously, yes. there's a lot more responsibility that also comes to the gym. Like now, obviously, you're paying rents, you're thinking about staff, you know, there's so many different aspects going on. How did you yes. feel stepping into all of that? Like before, you've just got yourself to manage, you know, maybe you're running a few contracts for different gyms and everything, but now <laughs> there's a lot more weight on your shoulders. There was a lot more weight, definitely a lot more stressful weight as well. Luckily, my business partner was doing the majority of the admin work and I was doing the majority of the coaching, which is what I was um, more interested in doing. I was doing a lot more of the the technical work at the gym, which is dealing with clients face-to-face, spending more time in the gym and, uh, and teaching, teaching more. So that was probably a big help for me. Um, But yes, the responsibility is still there. You know, you've got to make rent by the end of the month or make some money towards the rent. We had a good landlord. He get, he cuts a nice little deal for the first six months, et cetera. Um, but yeah, there was a lot more responsibilities. Yeah. I think uh, a lot of ambitious personal trainers look at the idea of owning a gym and like there's new gyms popping up all the time, but there's also a lot of gyms closing down and failing and, and, and not managing to get the ball rolling. It's, it's not as easy yes. as, as, as a lot of coaches believe. I think, you know, we're, we're loaded into this false sense that, you know, gym owners make a lot of money, but in your experience, um, you know, how long were you working at the gym for and did, did you see it as a financially viable sort of thing for the amount of hours you're working, the staff you're employing, the rent you're paying, all of the expenses and everything that goes along with that? No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't financially viable. Um, in, in my opinion, it was going to become it, uh, but after a long time of investing. So because I, don't, I think we were getting to the point of break even, like we're getting close to it after 12 months of opening. Mm. But then, then, then Corona happened and then it, it's, yeah. So it was like, it was a lot of risk. Uh, I mean, no one was really expecting a pandemic, of course, mm. but um, yeah, Corona made things a lot more complicated. So what, what do you think were some of your biggest takeaways from that experience or that part of your career? Number one, knowing what it's like to have your own gym. And then, because <laughs> every personal trainer thinks about it. Again, like my situation was a bit more fortunate where my business partner was doing most of the things I didn't want to be doing. But what it meant was that we had busy classes. Our, our gym was quite busy, especially specific classes. And I was teaching busy classes quite a few times of the week. And that gained me a lot of experience with coaching my niche, like what I was wanting to coach and understanding how to differentiate for different people. That was really big for me. Without that knowledge, without that experience, do you think your online career would have, it would have been as successful as it is now? Or do you think you gained a lot from that in-person coaching? Yeah, it's definitely translated over to my current results that I get with students. Uh, but also, you could also see it as those those people in the gym were there for me to test methods and test methods I'd learned from Emmett 
etc. I could have still done that online. Mm. Having like not many people you're working with to now having maybe, you know, 40 to 60 different people each week that you're like teaching, maybe up to 100 people you're teaching each week of these these methods and these classes that exposure which is awesome that you, you you're face to face with your niche clients and you're coaching more of them which is obviously helping your experience and knowledge and confidence and all these things what, what if you managed to maybe grab 30 clients online and they were all keen on you know the handstands mobility the bodyweight training do you think your confidence and experience would have grown just as fast or do you really think the in-person stuff holds that much value i do think the in-person stuff held a lot of value for me to go from you know not being a very confident in-person person at all to leading a class of 15 people or leading workshops of 30 people and being there in person it's it was very big for me so maybe the the transfer or maybe i had some transfer of that confidence to things that i now do online if that makes sense yeah for sure man i'm i mean, I'm, I, I could see how you know that definitely would have helped you at that time so um yeah. you know a lot to learn from that in-person coaching and like you say the confidence that grew out of that like what was going on with the online part of the business while you were running yeah. these classes and managing the gym? i was at the gym for a year and a half in that time my online business was was very small it was stable ish but it was small i think i had less than 10 clients mm. um they'd like picked up on my instagram while i was at the gym one good thing about the gym is that i had somewhere to train uh and doing ms coaching i picked up a lot of my slack in my training in my flexibility and in my handstand specifically um and this helped with my online business a little bit it brought a bit more interest in but i wasn't pushing my online business because i didn't have the energy all the, mm. the mental energy to do it. I um, I was too busy with the gym stuff. So it grew organically without me having to, to do a lot. Yeah, that's really interesting to sort of think about that though because your, your investment in Emmett and then your progress in your own training and obviously you were sharing a lot of that progress. Like I saw a lot of the progress that you made um, from the banana handstand that you had to the nice straight line handstand that you had. Um, yes. And I think, and that can be a very powerful way to obviously start to attract clients or get people to pay attention because you've had a massive transformation in your own journey and people yes. who are on a similar journey to you or want the same sort of thing as you are like, wow, if he can do that for himself, then maybe he can help me. Would you resonate with that? Yeah, definitely. Mm. Uh, yeah. My own transformation in my training definitely helped pick up some clients or, gain interest in a bit more of an audience yeah i started to get a bit more following on instagram especially after posting you know like before and afters of handstands and things like this and people were following me for some time and they'd say oh he's getting flexible you know he's gone from not being able to do anything with his legs to now you know <laughs> going into almost the middle split and almost the pancake and things like this I think that's a great thing that you've that you said there too. It's like almost a pancake and almost a yeah. middle split because I think sometimes we get swept up in the end goal. And and I've spoken to coaches who are like, well, I can't do this yet. And it's my goal that I'm working towards. But if I yeah. if I'm not there yet, how how can I be the coach for somebody else? Or how can I step into this role and say that I can help others? Yeah, that, I think does this come down the imposter syndrome? 
area potentially you, you could say it's that but, again it's yeah. i suppose it's just, it could be that self-doubt and it could even be yeah. the monkey mind that brian was speaking about but you know we, we put up this barrier to say that i'm not the coach to do this because i haven't yeah. accomplished it myself so the problem here is that or the reason this happens i i think is because the people that we find inspiration from can do all the things that we think we should be able to do but we don't notice that there are actually thousands of coaches who are even within those niches who are who have successful businesses and who are making money without being able to do the things that you're aspiring to do i don't know how to get over it per se but you people like coaches just need to realize that they don't need to do everything that they aspire to do they all they need to do is show some element of a bit of progress and a bit of a, their own journey it doesn't matter where the journey's finished or it hasn't finished it just it just has to there just has to be a journey of mm. some sort mm. or it can be helpful to have a bit of a journey and if they don't have one then the people that they're advertising should have a little bit of a journey um i think this helps a lot but it doesn't need to be the end result nobody needs a full mid split to become a to become a coach for yeah. flexibility i'm a big believer of practice what you preach and obviously you are as well because that's what you do I also think another good point that you made there is that you're on a journey. And I talk to a lot of coaches about this in a sense of like, you started your journey back here and your goals might be, you know, further along and you're not there yet, but you've come forward in that journey and you've made progress. And generally a lot of the clients that you're going to train, they're back here or they're behind you in that journey. So although you haven't reached your end goal yet, you have a wealth of experience and knowledge to share with the clients who are on a similar journey to you because they're trying to catch up maybe to where you are and the knowledge and experience you have is going to help them progress probably a lot faster than you did because you know they've got this guide or they've got this coach to help them along the way so i think that's another way that we can we can we can step back from it and just sort of think that you know the self-doubt that we've got you know it's it's it shouldn't stop us from helping the people who are behind us in the journey um, you know, maybe if someone is ahead of us and we don't feel comfortable with that, well, yeah, fine. We can, we can say that maybe I'm not the best coach for you right now. Um, but I still think there's a lot of people out there in the world that we can help with, um, our existing experience and knowledge. Mm. Definitely. We, we always have to remember that there are, there are the people that we're trying to help don't have our knowledge, don't have our wisdom, don't have our experience. Um, even if we feel like we don't have enough, mm. uh, we always have more than the people we're helping most mm. of the time yeah. and like you said if you don't you'll you'll notice it and, and if you don't the person's probably not going to be reaching out to you either so, mm. so it's not it's not usually a concern when you decided that you were leaving the gym yes. where, were, where, where were you going what was what was on the radar then i i, I left the gym the uk was going into lockdown <laughs> we yeah we booked a, a trip to madeira i think within two two days after the lockdown being announced we had our flight booked and we left the day before lockdown happened and we spent the next three weeks in sunshine with no stress um and no real obligations and responsibilities i guess other than my own sort of like online clients uh and in those three weeks i think i picked up the most online clientele i've ever done in a three-week period what do you think led to that uh I think it was it was probably an accumulation of lots of variables that have like added up over mm -hmm. the year and a half of me being in, in the gym. 
and then me finally actually making an effort to a bit more effort to put into my Instagram and into my stories and the people that are following me all this time to like let them know that actually I, I offer online coaching because maybe I hadn't made that very clear while I was at the gym because it never it wasn't really a, a big thing that I was advertising I had a lot more mental energy I could put a lot more focus into the online business and I think people saw that people realized that uh, I could give them my help my support you can't help someone if you're if you're stressed if you're mm. burnt out you have a mental health issues whatever it is you're depressed you can't help other people because you can't help yourself and people notice it they pick up on it and, and sometimes they'll refuse they just won't want to work with you because you're not giving off the vibes that you're able you're in a position to help them whereas when i when i dealt with my issues or i actually dealt with them when i i left the gym and i left a lot of the the stresses I think people realized, ah, this is a guy that can probably help me out. Mm. And then, yeah, the online online coaching just elevated a lot from there. But, you know, you're working ridiculous hours for a big part of your career, mate. And you were pushing yes. yourself. You were believing that you had to work this hard and you had to contribute this much and you had to be running from point A to point B all the time to build, you know, this rewarding career. Do you think it was the accumulation of everything just adding up to a break, sort of, to a breaking point? And maybe this was the burnout point. And then the decision to just step away and give yourself time to recharge. Was that the first time that you really think that you put your self-care first or you prioritized that? Yes, prioritize it to the highest degree that I'd ever done before. Um, cause I, I'd, I'd made decisions in the past to being able to like, get rid of a stress, but this was the biggest, this like decision I'd made for my mental, mental health or relieving of stress. Yeah. And do you reckon that had a big impact on your ability to then focus on this online yeah. business? Any, any business you want to, you want to start or you want to put effort into if you, if you, if you don't have any brain power, like you're only be able to put a certain amount of energy into it same as in your training right if you've got if you've got no no food in the system no glycogen you're not going to be able to do any reps mm. same mm. for the brain i'm sure it works in other ways i'm sure there's some like spiritual element as well to it that i don't fully understand <laughs> but yeah that's someone it, might be able to pick yeah. up on it it sounds like you had a quick pretty quick rebound like when you just when you left the gym yeah. and you decided okay i'm going to focus on this online business and you said that you yeah. know you picked up the the most clients that you probably ever have in a short period of time. What, what do you mm -hmm. put that down to? Or uh, I think it was just like actually giving a fuck about the online coaching properly and and like putting out information properly online, putting out stories, putting out posts. Um, my own training improved mm -hmm. as well. I was getting better sleep. I was having less stress, probably less cortisol. Uh, and I was making gains. And I think people picked up on that. Do, do you wish you'd done it sooner? When you look back at it now, do you wish that you'd just gone, you know, I could have done this a lot sooner than I did? But um, I'd like to think that everything I've done has played a big part of like where I am and at the moment and where I was when that happened. Yeah. Uh, I could have left the gym sooner, but I also didn't really want to leave the gym. Mm. Um, I, I was I was almost forced to, forced to, because mm. I had to make a choice for my, my health or not. But I didn't mm. want to. Like, I didn't want to leave those clients. I really liked working with the people in that mm. gym mm. um i've made some really good relationships there that i had to i had to let go could i could i have left earlier and done the same thing yes i wouldn't say i should have yeah, yeah. You, you're yeah. proud of the shortcuts you didn't take mate 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I learned a lot. I think I grew a lot out of it as well. Yeah. Without wanting yeah. to sound too cliche or too cheesy. But yeah. yeah. So how, how long have you been online for now in terms of like 100% online? That's what you do. Is that two and a bit years? Did you ever imagine that you would be 100% online with your coaching career? Uh, yeah. I didn't know when it was going to happen. To be honest, I didn't know if I'd be able to do it. But at the same time, I was like, yeah, I want to do that. That's what I yeah. want to do. I want to be an online coach. Yeah. What are some of the benefits do you feel now that you are doing this as your full-time career? Ultimate control. is great. <laughs> <More>. <laughs> you can tell I'm a control freak, right? Um, uh, it's great. I don't, I don't need to set an alarm. I can put more time to my training. I can put a bit more time aside for my relationship for myself. Yeah. It's a, yeah. uh, there's a lot of benefits. Also, I can travel yeah. without having to worry about losing clients. When I was in pure gym, if I wanted to go spearfishing, which is my number one hobby, I would have to go on holiday. Hmm. And in that time, I couldn't train any clients. And if I was working in my gym, I couldn't train any clients. And I'd have to give up my responsibility to someone else. And it gets a bit messy, blah, blah, blah. Are they going to do the same, a good job, uh, et cetera? Whereas now... I can go somewhere else. So like it was last year, I spent six weeks in the Azores. Mm. And again, I think I picked up more clients while I was there. Um, so that's another thing. I can live how I want to live while working how I want to work. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mate. Like you say, more control, more freedom. Um, and like you said, it's probably, <laughs> I'm not going to say probably, it's definitely better for your health as a coach, yes. like you can, you can dedicate more time to taking care of yourself. And obviously we can see that in your training results. Like you said before, you're making better progress with your training because you're getting more sleep and you've got more I, time to take care of yourself and your relationships. My, my alarm clock when I was working at the gym was at 4.43 AM mm. three times a week. Yeah. 4.43 AM. And because it, it wasn't every day, it was a few times a week. It also meant that my circadian rhythm was all over the place. Yeah. So I, I can't remember the last time I woke up at, that time i think maybe for a cheap flight to get out of london <laughs> but other than that like i haven't had to wake up a stupid time for a long time and uh what that's meant is i can sleep better i can yep. produce better growth hormone which then reflects into the training where do you spend most of your time now in your career like what's what takes up the majority of of your time maybe writing programs for clients mm. could take up most of the time yeah yeah i would say that's probably the most like a call with a client will take an hour, but writing their program could take up to two hours. Mm. Uh, so that's probably like per client. The, the programs I need to write is probably what takes up the most time, but it's also because I put a lot of thought into them and I, I purposefully put aside good time for them because again, I want my clients to have good results. So I need to make sure their next phase is following up properly with their previous phase. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because you reflect back, like at Pure Gym, were you writing your clients' programs or were you like a lot of trainers who were working in gyms who were just making it up yeah. on the spot? Yeah, I wasn't writing them programs. I would be, I'd be repeat in the sessions I was doing the week before with making sure that they were making some adaptations and making mm -hmm. sure they were adding a rep or adding some weight and things like that. Like program design, would you say that that's probably one of the biggest skills that coaches need to work on before they take their career online? Again, I think I'm very niche. Like the, the stuff I train is very niche. I, you don't have many coaches who are putting together programs that involve flexibility, hand balance, and gymnastic strength training. So I think um, 
I think this is a lot where, where my niche comes down to that a lot of the clients I get are because they don't know how to put this type of work together mm. or this type of training together. I like what you said there in a sense of like, there's a lot that goes into your program because I think, you know, a lot of coaches think that, okay, they can just write a program and go online and, and, and be successful in terms of an online coach. And I like the way that you've, you know, you've, you've got certain pillars. You've got this mobility pillar. You've got a handstand pillar. You've got a strength pillar. You've probably got this accountability pillar that you work with in terms of the client calls and stuff that you mentioned that you're doing. It can be, simpler programs where someone might be just doing something like body composition and they might have trouble selling that or competing in that area or that niche. But again, if your program is specific, if they're doing body composition, they're doing accountability, they're doing nutrition advice, they're doing stress management. Like if you start to, you know, build a system, build a method, build a structure, um, then that is something that makes you unique. And from looking at where you are now, Eddie, you're very unique in the service that you offer. And like you say, it's what brings clients towards you to come and train with you. Do, do you miss the gym floor? Do, what, do you miss working face-to-face with clients? I miss being able to like physically put my hands on a client. <laughs> no, I'm the pervy, the pervy gym. <laughs> I miss being able to physically cue people, poke someone when they're training, make sure their lats are engaged. Like, when they're doing a, a, a ring row whatever it is um i miss that part of it and also yeah i, I miss being able to talk to someone properly uh, with facial expressions etc i mean you can do that on zoom sure of like the missing out on those things doesn't outweigh the gains of what i'm doing at the moment always going to be something that we're going to sacrifice to move towards this career goal of having the online business so there's definitely things i miss about not being in the gym and not working face to face with clients so I, I hear you there if you don't mind me asking like what what, what sort of wage are you taking home monthly now around 4k mm. like my highest earning month was over five um but it's like around the it's around the 4k mark and that's yeah. been like me not really going ham per se mm. on advertising. That's more so like me putting up some stories of me training, the occasional before and after of my clients. That's that's me not stressing, if that makes sense. Mm. And like working like I used to. Yeah. And that, that was my next question. Like that's what you're earning now. But what are you what are you working now? What are the hours per week would you say that you're dedicating oh. to? Oh man, let's say like up to 15 hours max of hard time, mm. not hard time, like focused. Like I, I don't want anything else disrupting me. Maximum 15 yeah. hours, some weeks 10. Like for me to be earning 4K a month at Pure Gym, mm. I would have to be doing at least 30 hours one-to-one time in person with people. But of course, that doesn't account for the extra times you need to be lingering around the gym. Yeah. And it doesn't account for the, the times you need to be, what else? Getting to and from the gym. Like... Getting to and from the gym, waiting for clients, dealing yeah. with canceled clients and canceled yeah. appointments. Yeah. Uh, I work less and I earn a bit more. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the way you got to look at it, isn't it? Your hourly rate has definitely gone up exponentially if you're working 15 hours a week and you're pulling in 4K a month in comparison to 80 hours a week and, you know, pulling in 2K a month. Like, yeah, it's, it's a no-brainer really, isn't it? Um, yep. What are some, what is some of your struggles now, do you think, in terms of your career? 
sometimes it could be finding the motivation or the drive to to be more forceful with my advertising or just be more productive with it be more creative with it um but outside of that i mean there's no huge struggles with my online coaching i really enjoy the online coaching i really enjoy the people i work with i, li- I like writing their programs i like i like when they send me videos to give them video feedback uh i don't want to make up excuses for it but finding new clients for me can be a bit slow usually people want to build some good trust with me before they invest because it's not a cheap investment mm. um i mean it's cheap when you compare it to the gains you get in so yeah it can be it can take a bit a bit longer to find clients or to to get a new student on board i still speak to you know people these days are like wow is that a thing like i think that you know not everyone knows that they could hire a coach online um, and even how to find a coach online. Like you say, never known a specific coach that can help them with certain goals. Do you ever think you'd go back to working face-to-face with clients? Not like I used to. Mm. Uh, workshop formats, yes. Mm. Retreat-based formats, yes. Mm. I have a couple of clients in London or a few clients in London, and I will give them the opportunity to like come here and train with me in my, my, my little studio space here. Uh, and it's because I, again, I enjoy them and I like seeing them in person, mm. but it wouldn't be more than like once every four to six weeks. You mentioned workshops there. You mentioned maybe retreats. What What is the future plans for, for you and your career, mate? Oh, it's funny actually, isn't it? Because I was talking about the Brian Rose stuff and I was like, mm. what, I, what I used to speak about when he, when he forced us to create those vlogs. And I was like, oh yeah, spearfishing, gymnastic strength training. But now it's like, hold on a minute. I could potentially put on a spearfishing and gymnastic strength training retreat. <laughs> um, <laughs> full circle, <that's>, man. <laughs> yeah, full circle, honestly. Uh, it is still on my mind actually going mm. down that route. Um, I'm trying to organize a little test retreat for this summer in the Azores with my online clients, my online students. Uh, before I try and make anything public. Mm. Um, I still want to push my online coaching or I want to continue rather with my online coaching as I have been. Mm. Probably put out an, some sort of side product or some sort of passive product to scale a little bit more as a bit of security. Um, but yeah, my main my main intentions for future for the future would be to get into a position where I could run some retreats, some workshops, some intensives, um, and potentially teach coaches how to teach the things I'm teaching. That would be a that would be a, a nice one for me as well. Yeah, for sure, mate. And like I say, it's just the the career growth path. You know, you've come a long way, and there's been a lot of, lot you've taken from all that experience that, that that you've had. You know, like you said, you could probably have jumped online sooner, but I dare say there's a lot you've gained from not rushing the process and um, you know, going through some of those high, hard times to um really appreciate what you have got now and what you've managed to create. Um, yeah. I w- wish you the best of luck in the future, mate. And it's been incredible to watch your journey and see you evolve in your own training, but also just to see you evolve as a coach. And um, yeah, I greatly appreciate um, you know, all the things that you've done for me as well. And you've taught me a lot on your way as well. So um, it's been awesome, mate. How can people get in touch with you? How can they find out about your online training? Thanks first for all those comments. Uh, it's also been very uh, inspirational watching your development as well, because you've developed massively 
since leaving London, which is great to see. I'm very jealous of your current setup at home with your chickens and, and your dog, <laughs> but um, in, in the tropics. Uh, if people want to find me, they can find me on Instagram is probably the easiest way. It's where I'm the most active on social media, at learning to human. Um, yeah, and they can send a DM. I respond to every single message I get, unless it's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Take a lot of those, dear. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, awesome, yeah. mate. I do appreciate your time. Thanks for jumping on the call today. It's been great to sort of, you know, talk about your journey from in person to online. Thanks for tuning in for today's episode of the podcast. Before you go, I'd like to tell you a little bit more about Protect the Asset. A lot of ambitious personal trainers are being held back by their own self doubts. I don't have enough experience. I don't have enough knowledge. I'm not ready to take the next step. They've tried doing more certifications, attending more workshops and courses, working longer hours, saying yes to every opportunity, writing blogs, and consistently posting high-value content. But none of it seems to help. It's overwhelming, stressful, and exhausting. I get it. I've been working in the fitness industry since 2010, and it took me years to realize my career potential. I believe personal trainers can have a fruitful career that aligns with their purpose, visions, values, and goals. So I created the Ambitious Personal Trainer Accelerator, a step-by-step -step career coaching framework that teaches personal trainers how to create and execute a rewarding career plan. It's time to brush off the self-doubts and uncertainty. You deserve to be a leader in your field and you deserve to have a rewarding career that changes lives and pays you well. To find out more about the Ambitious Personal Trainer Accelerator, visit protecttheasset.co.